0: All right, folks, so this week we are going to start a new series on this podcast, and this series is going to focus on letters of recommendation. It's a really important part of the process, but there's not a ton of information out there on how to do this really well, so if you're applying in this upcoming cycle, this series is for you. Let's get started. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast, the show to help all pre-health students on their journey to acceptance. Our goal each episode is to share information our students need to succeed, connect them with resources, answer questions, and make this stressful process just a little easier. Our episodes vary in length from a little over five minutes to around an hour in length. So tune into our shorts on your walk between classes, or when you have a little bit more time, you can enjoy one of our longer episodes. I am this episode's host, John Moses Bronson, and I am very excited to kick off our letter of recommendation series. So we're going to start this conversation by really talking about how these letters are actually used in the admissions process. A lot of students like to treat this process as a bit of a checkbox process of, okay, well, I need letters of recommendation. Let me just get them and move on with my life. But to have a really good letter set and to have them really set you up for a good application does take some strategy and some forethought. So we're going to give you some insight to how to get used and then also how to translate that into some really smart choices when it comes to selecting your letter writers. So let's go ahead and get started with talking about how they're used. So, you know, in talking with some admissions officers, letters of recommendation get used in in three pretty large ways. So the biggest one is sort of confirmation. So, you know, you present yourself in your personal statement, in your work and activities, and your secondary essays, and realistically you have a lot of power there to really influence how you are being perceived. But the letters of recommendation help the admissions officers know that you are not, frankly, a sociopath who is just very good at crafting some alternative narrative for yourself. So these letters of recommendation are a really important part of this process for admissions to say, oh, okay, this person is self-aware, They have a good sense of who they are, and other people who are a step removed from the student are seeing the same things in them that they see in themselves. So that's a really important part because admissions officers don't like to admit narcissists or sociopaths to their programs. Spoiler alert, I know that's surprising that they don't want to do that, but the letter of recommendation process really helps them accomplish this. The second big way in which they're used is to help to provide context uh, for students. So understanding who you are, they're investing a lot of time, energy, and money into their students. And so they want to make sure that when they do provide these interview offers, that they're bringing in interview offers to students who are ready for this, right? And that they have a good sense of who this person could be. They want to get a sense of how you've grown, Oftentimes, I think we really want to focus so much on who we are today when sometimes the best part of our story is the distance that we've traveled to get to today. And a lot of times, you know, letter writers can help to provide that context of your growth and your development and the challenges that you've overcome. So it's a really great way to help you tell more of your story In the process, right? Because the application has some really strict boundaries on it, right? You can't write realistically whatever you want in the personal statement. I mean, the the prompt is quite vague, but the importance of really following the prompt and delivering what's being asked there is super important. Whereas with letters of recommendation, there is a little bit more flex and freedom to help tell stories in a more non-linear and direct manner. So there's a lot of strength there. And then the last one is some insight. So figuring out, hey, this person knows who they are, and this is sort of where they're coming from. But insight is sort of that perception. It's not the observable facts, but it's the, this is my thoughts and feelings on this person. The more abstract, so much of the important things in this process are really measurable right? We know by looking at the data that the WMC puts out every year on how MCAT data is used in the admissions process that the MCAT and GPA, these numbers, are a really big part of the process. But if we also use these letters of recommendations as part of this process in a holistic review, it provides more insight beyond those measurable data points. It provides more a more complete and complex idea of who an applicant truly is. So let's talk about making a balance set. For most health professions there is a three-letter core that should always be one of the first things that you plan for. You should always have two science faculty and one non-science faculty. There are schools that will require this particular set. There's schools that just require one science faculty one that some require one science, one non-science. These are common letter requirements, and so they should represent your core because they allow you, no matter where you apply, to have a good letter set to start with. When you think about the science faculty, you want to find faculty who have given you a letter grade in a class, and you should look at the course classification guide for your health profession. So Let's say that you are applying to the MD medical school programs. You will use the AAMC's course classification guide as a way to determine which faculty constitute science faculty. Now, this is just a starting point and there's certainly some nuance here. So if you feel like your situation is unique and doesn't neatly fit into this, please come in and talk to one of us in the pre-health advising office so we can help you to understand some of the nuance of this. But For the most part, if you're applying MD, it is biology, chemistry, physics, and math. Those are your science faculty. So a lot of times students come from majors all over the college and the university, and they have had less science faculty than others it means that you need to be a lot more strategic as you're going through your classes in developing relationships and making sure that you're ready for this. Now we're gonna talk strategies for how to cultivate those relationships and to you know partner with your letter writers on uh, putting forth a great letter in future episode. So on this one, we're really just talking about really selecting who to pursue here. In your non-science faculty, I mean, you really do have a lot of choices here. It is sometimes really great to select a course that really highlights a different aspect of who you are or a different strength or a passion of yours. You know, uh, for a lot of my students, they do tend, uh, they do choose to do minors. So I have uh, a few students who are particularly interested in working in pediatrics who do the child maltreatment and advocacy studies minor. That's a wonderful place to source a non-science faculty letter because it speaks to a passion that is very true and integral to who you are and how you see yourself acting and behaving in the future of medicine. So it's a really strong choice to make. So that represents your faculty base. Beyond that, additional letters are really strategic choices. And how I encourage students to approach this is to think about what they've included in the other aspects of their application about why they're pursuing medicine in the first place. So let's say in your work and activity section, you talk about one of your most meaningful experiences being your experience with mid-state literacy, which is an organization in state college that helps immigrants and refugees with their English language skills so that they can pursue education, health care, and a better life here in the United States. It's a wonderful organization. And let's say that you had a really transformative experience there. Acquiring a letter from Mid-State Literacy is a great choice for that sort of student. Let's give you another example. Let's say in your personal statement, you talk about your love of education and how that's gonna translate into um, your goal of health literacy improvement through your work as a future healthcare provider. If you were a TA or an LA, get a letter from your supervisor because sure. they're going to be able to talk to your ability to educate and relate to people and convey complex information in an understandable way for their peers. So it's a great way again going back to that confirmation to really confirm what you've put elsewhere. Let's say in a secondary for a school, let's go with let's say that you're applying to Temple and you talk about your dedication and goal of working with vulnerable, under-resourced, and underserved populations. I had better see a letter of recommendation from someone who has observed you working with a vulnerable population before. You know, I, in another episode, I talked about how I had worked with a student who really wanted to work with underserved populations, and I asked them, okay, well, what experience do you have? and all the color drained from their face and they're like well I don't have any experience and so they took that gap time they got that experience and one of their strongest letters was from their service supervisor that they worked with this is how you strategically build a set for you no two applicants will have the same letter set it is a deeply personal set of decisions And it's something that you should really strategically approach based on who you are and why you're pursuing healthcare. So we're going to end the episode there for this week. Like I said, this is a series of podcasts on letters of recommendation. So we will be back next week with more information on the letter of recommendation process. So I am looking forward to you joining me next week on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. Penn State Pre-Health Podcast is a production of the Pre-Health Advising Office and the Everly College of Science at Penn State University. It is produced, edited, and promoted by the Pre-Health Advising Team. The views, opinions, and advice shared during this podcast are that of the hosts and any guests only, and do not necessarily reflect the best advice for every student at every institution for every health profession. This is a nonprofit podcast made for the purpose of better serving pre-health students across the university system.